Good evening, Australia, and welcome to the rest of the world. I'd like to welcome you here to Under the Wire, your home for censored and suppressed information about vaccination and health. My name is Meryl Dory, and I'm with the Australian Vaccination Risks Network, and I have a great show for you tonight, an interview with one of my favorite people, Dr. Rima Leibow. Uh, sorry, Labo. I pronounced it wrong. I apologize for that. Before we get to the interview, I just want to go over a couple of very quick things. Number one, today we had an amazing rally on the border between New South Wales and Queensland. As many of you would know, uh, Gladys Berejiklian uh, has made basically the entire state of New South Wales into a hot spot because of cases in Sydney, uh, which is 800 kilometers south of where I am right now. And uh, Anastasia Palachuk up in Queensland has said that the border is closed between New South Wales and Queensland to anyone for basically any reason. The only people who can go through are so-called essential workers. Who decides who is essential? Goodness only knows. And essential workers have to show that they've received at least one of the experimental genetic modification devices um, that they call a vaccine, which is not a vaccine. So um, finally, finally, it looks like we're getting a lot of involvement from the community on a very, very short notice, um, a, a rally was called, a protest was called, and I was there today. Over 5,000 people were there as well, and it was just amazing. Um, really and truly, I don't think the police expected that many people to turn up, but they did. It was a peaceful protest. Um, we all marched across the border and back and across the border and back, and basically showed that we will not listen to the illegitimate orders of the uh, governments in both of these states. By the way, if we're looking at evidence-based uh, practices and policies, at the time that uh, Gladys declared that there was an increase in cases in New South Wales, there were about 54 cases of COVID. And I'm putting cases in inverted commas because we're talking about cases using a PCR test that is totally illegitimate, cannot determine an infection in any way, shape, or form for a virus that has never been isolated or purified. But we had about 54 cases. Last I saw today, I think we had about 840, and that's after lockdown. So if lockdown sees this huge increase in cases, obviously something's not working. But Heaven forbid that we should allow lack of effectiveness or proof that something's not working to change government policy. This is our fifth lockdown in New South Wales, and I can just see that there's going to be a sixth, a seventh, and an eighth unless we stand up now. Um, some genius person, I have no idea who they are, but great job, put together a very quick video of today's rally and protest march on the Queensland-New South Wales border. And I thought I should share it with you because it is really amazing, especially look to see the horse galloping down the street uh, with someone riding bareback. Only in Australia will you see that. <laughs> Stand 
you to know that I did see a report I think it was from Channel 7 and they said there were a few hundred people there <laughs> they can't help but lie they just cannot help but lie uh, there were many thousands of people there and if there had been more time to plan I'm sure there would have been many many times more than that um, shout out to the People's Revolution who had an amazing rally in Brisbane uh, I've heard that there were 40,000 to 50,000 people there uh, Melbourne, those of you who saw what happened in Melbourne, uh, the Melburnians have actually had the hardest time since this whole scamdemic started, and they came out in their tens of thousands, and the police were absolutely brutal, and they actually shot rubber bullets and tear gas into crowds of peaceful protesters, and what happened was the protesters fought back and they rushed the police and the police ran away. Yahoo, uh, it's about time. The police have no right to be this brutal with the people. They're supposed to be there to protect the people, not to actually, uh, you know, abuse them and bully them. And that's what the, the Victorian police seem to be doing more than anything. So we are seeing an uprising. Uh, it's been 18 months of hell for many people in Australia. And finally, the people are rising up. I want to let you know about something else that's happening. Uh, Paula, were you there? That's fantastic. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Oh, thank you so much for that, Holly. Yes, um, Australia has become, uh, Australia and New Zealand have become the centerpiece for the world for all the wrong reasons. And I'm glad that you're watching us from the U.S. I'm glad that people are watching us from Europe and from the Caribbean and from all other places because people need to witness what is being done to the Australian people today. Australia is a tyranny. It does not make any pretense anymore of being even close to a democratic um, society. It is a tyrannical dictatorship. So um, what is happening now? And, and this is something I don't think the government really counted on. The fact that the people would finally get jack of what they're doing and, and rise up. And we are rising up. We are rising up in our masses. And I want to let you know that August 31st, there is a nationwide truckies blockade that is planned. Um, the truckies are going to block the harbors. They are going to block the bridges, block the highways. They need the support of all the rest of the Australians. Um, when I find out where they're going to be near me, I'm going to bring them food. I'm going to bring them coffee. I will bring them money if I have to. It's not a problem. Um, and I think that we all need to do that from wherever we are. I'm going to play one of many clips from a truck driver talking about what is going to be happening. Language warning, every single one of these clips is full of profanity, but this is probably the least profane of the clips. And um, I hope you will forgive the profanity because what he is saying just makes so much common sense. So just a very quick clip from one of our Australian truckies. Good morning, Australia, as you see. I just fucking woke up. Um, we've been talking to everyone around the world. Everyone. Everyone around Australia. Um, it's on. The truckies are doing it. 
We need you and everyone else's support to, to watch this video, hand it up, and let everyone in Australia know that the truckies are going to shut down the country. What that means is you need to go shopping now, get what you can for the next week or two, load your fridge, freezers, the truckies are coming and they're going to pull this country down and we're all going to do it together and remove the shit government. The vets are in, the truckies are in, I'm in. I'm willing to go to jail to save my country and my children. If you want to do this, you've got to do it together as one. A new video has just been sent out about Fauci admitting that uh, they got money from China to do the research fund, which I'll, I'll put up on my TikTok page for everyone to go have a look at. They knew it was a poison. So every government who bought into Pfizer, and even says on the contract that we've been sending out to everyone, they know it's poison. Do you want to poison the rest of your family? Ignore this message. If you don't want to, if you don't want to poison your family, and you're a smart person with a heart and a, a lot of common sense, you'll pass this on. Right. So there you have it. And what is being organized right now, and I believe the date is the 31st of August, is for truck drivers across the entire country. And there are a lot of truck drivers and a lot of trucks in Australia. Most of our goods get moved on the road um, that to come out and blockade. They said they're going to surround the parliament buildings. They're going to blockade the ports. They're going to blockade the bridges and the borders. And they've had it. And I think most of us have had it. I don't know his name, Rose. Um, I'll see if I can find it out. I have five videos that I've gotten so far. And what I will try and do on the AVN Telegram page, not on Facebook, because I'm not really posting on Facebook. Uh, on the Telegram page, I've already posted the five videos. I will try and find links. I think most of these truckers have been posting on TikTok. And I don't really use TikTok, but um, they seem to be using TikTok. So I'll see if I can find their contact details. And... Um, and, and I think we all need to write to these truckies and say, please do it. Please go through with this. Please help organize all the other truck drivers. We will support you. We will give you food. We will give you money. But we also need to be prepared. We need to have, as he said, two weeks of food and water in our houses. We need our fridges and our freezers stocked up, our pantries stocked up. We need to make sure that the elderly people in our community are taken care of, that our mothers and elderly grandparents are taken care of. We need to pull together as a community. Um, and that is, okay, Sherilene, we have a TikTok, sorry, not a TikTok, we have a Telegram page. Can one of the moderators here please post the link to Telegram? Um, the AVN's Telegram page is where I posted those five videos. So you'll be able to find all of them. I know Lynn is right. The irony is that TikTok is owned by the Chinese Communist Party, and that's why I don't use it. But um, I, I will try and find them on my browser. If you do a search for Australian truckies strike, uh, you may find it. I looked earlier and I only saw one or two of them. Uh, there are They are reposted on Facebook. I know that I saw them on Facebook as well, and I saw them on on Twitter. Um, so, you know, take a look and see if you can find them. But be ready. Be prepared. Have your food handy because when they go through with this, and I'm saying when, not if, but when they go through with this, then it's very possible that there won't be food in the supermarkets and there won't be 
anything to buy in the shops because everything is carried by truck, by road in Australia. I mean, a little bit is going by train, but not much. He said that the vets are with him, and I don't know if he means the veterans, the Australian Army veterans, um, but that would be fantastic. They keep your keep your eyes on this space because they may be asking us to take our cars to where they are and to help them with the blockade. So, you know, I'll be ready to go. I'll be ready to go. And I hope that those people who are watching this and sharing this will be ready to go too. So, um, yeah, we really need to be aware of what's happening. There's only one more thing I want to show you before we go to the um, interview with Dr. Labo. And this is something that I was unaware of. Um, this is a lot of a lot of businesses and a lot of hospitals and clinics and doctor's surgeries are saying to their employees, you have to take the COVID jab or you're going to lose your job. But what has happened is the government um, indemnified, in other words, you can't sue them. The government indemnified themselves. They indemnified the drug companies that make the jabs and they indemnified the doctors who are administering the jabs. What they did not indemnify were the employers of Australia. So when ScoMo goes out and says, oh, employers, we all need to make sure that all of your employees are jabbed. Well, if one of those employees is told they have to get jabbed for their job and they get injured or God forbid die, who is responsible? most likely the employer. So if your employer is telling you, sorry, you can't come back to work unless you're jabbed, just show them this article. Um, there are many other articles that have come out. This was published on August 9th this year, so it's a very current article. Um, they do not know that they will be held liable if something goes wrong, and a lot of things are going wrong. A lot of people are dying, and a lot of people are being permanently injured by these jabs. So we really and truly need to put our employers on notice. You know, I'm only doing this for your own good. You're telling me I need to get the jab, but it could end up costing you your entire business. Are you sure you want me to do this? Um, so yeah, let them know this. Uh, it is something that we need to make them aware of. So I'm just trying to see if there's anything that I need to um, the Telegram group, Lisa, is not for the truckies. It's the AVN Telegram group. And if any of our um, moderators are on here, either on no compulsory vaccination or on um, the AVN Facebook page, would you mind sharing the link to our Telegram page, the AVN Telegram page? Uh, I can't do that while I'm here. I will try and share it when I start the um, I'll share the link for this mandatory vaccinations in the workplace page as soon as I um, start the video with Dr. Rima. So I would like to, without further ado, introduce Dr. Rima Labau. Um, she is someone who has been practicing in this area for over 35 years, probably closer to 40 years now. Um, in 2009, I think it was, she actually predicted the COVID epidemic and she predicted what the governments would do. She had her finger right on the pulse of everything and she was right, sadly. I'm sure she wishes she was wrong as well. Um, she is a hero to many. She is someone who has been incredibly outspoken and been called a mad conspiracy theory until her conspiracies all started coming true. And now they've become conspiracy facts. 
So without further ado, I would like to introduce Dr. Rima to all of you. Uh, good evening and welcome to Dr. Rima Leibow. I hope I pronounced your last name right. Almost, Labo. <laughs> Labo. Okay. Thank you very much, Dr. Rima. It's very good to see you. We've been chatting over the years many times, and it's wonderful to actually be on the other side of the conversation because I have so many things that I want to ask you and so much I really want you to share with our audience. So first of all, um, you are a graduate uh, of the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. And you are also the founder of the Natural Solutions um, Center, the Natural Solutions Foundation. Foundation. And I want you to talk to me just a little bit about what the Natural Solutions Foundation is about and what you do there. Absolutely. Um, the Natural Solutions Foundation is a health freedom organization. It's focused internationally. It believes fundamentally that you own your own body and if you are a parent or a guardian, then you have the responsibility for your child's body. Um, the state does not own your body. The corporation does not own your body. And the corporate state most assuredly does not own your body. We believe that either it's really quite binary. Either you are a free man or woman and you do have autonomy over your own body, what may, what may not, what must, what must not be done to your body, or you are in a completely different condition with a very ancient terminology, and that word is slave. Mm -hmm. There really is nothing in between. You control your body or someone else owns you. Now, what we're seeing globally is the unfoldment of the concept that someone else owns your body mm. and we're seeing it at the state level and we're seeing it at the school level and we're seeing it at the international level and we're seeing it through the uh, concoction of a completely bogus state of non-emergency called a pandemic this is not a pandemic and in fact, we are in the process of uh, moving into the courts in the United States, proving once again that there is no pandemic. In order to have a pandemic, you got to have people dying from the thing that is supposedly the pandemic. Before the jabs were introduced, you see that not only were there no excess deaths, but the number of deaths actually decreased. Now, why did that happen? First of all, people had less access to routine and um, cataclysmic medical care. And all over the world, whenever doctors go on strike or hospitals close down, the death rates go down. Hmm, Funny. that's interesting. <laughs> Funny about that. But in addition to that, in the United States, every week about 200 babies die of what is called SIDS sudden infant death syndrome. Mm -hmm. They die within days of their well baby visits, quote unquote, during which they receive ill baby poisonings called vaccines. Now we're not even talking about the gene altering therapies of the so-called vaccines for COVID. We're talking about the conventional uh, childhood vaccines. So about uh, 700 babies a month 
just under 200 a week, die in the United States following their well baby visits and their vaccinations. Uh, I'm sorry, my, my error, Meryl, it's 700 babies a week. A week, it's that's the statistic. A week in the United States die from sudden infant death syndrome. In the absence of the well baby visits, what happened was that 500 babies a week were dying of sudden infant death syndrome, meaning, I got the statistics confused, forgive me, that 200 babies a week lived who otherwise would have died. Now, what does that tell you? That's just from the conventional vaccines. That's before the children who survived developed the asthma and the autism and the autoimmune diseases and the diabetes. When I went to medical school, type one insulin dependent diabetes was literally unknown in children. It never happened, never happened. Juvenile diabetes was something that happened to people under the age of 45 because it was so rare in younger people. So we saw uh, automobile deaths go down. We saw medical intervention deaths go down. We saw well baby SIDS deaths go down. We actually had people not dying who might die uh, otherwise in ordinary circumstances. We didn't have any excess mortality. We had less death. Now that's not much of a pandemic. I mean, that's a pretty, a pretty weak and unimpressive pandemic to say nothing of the fact that with the tremendous availability of uh, gene sequencing, nobody has ever managed to sequence the entire coronavirus SARS-CoV-2. Never anywhere in the world. Wow, that's odd. Now they have managed to sequence around the world the spike protein, the bioengineered, genetically uh, impossible, naturally impossible spike protein. Let me Why ask is you it- a question uh, about that, if what? I can. Okay, so we are told that the vaccine, the, the non, non-vaccine vaccine, the uh, genetic modification the device, the jab. Okay, that's good. I like that word because um, it's very um, descriptive. Uh, so this jab, we are told, is not actually going to be creating antibodies in your body like most other vaccines are supposed to do, even though we know that antibodies don't equal immunity, but they, it does not create antibodies. What it's supposed to do is make your body into a spike protein factory. And we are told that creating the spike protein in our body will teach it to actually um, get rid of a coronavirus infection if we encounter it later on down the track. Do we have any evidence that um, SARS-CoV-2 naturally has spike proteins on its outer envelope and that these spike proteins are actually part of the virus genome? We have been told many things. We have been told that the tooth fairy will bring us money for a tooth that we lose. Um, We have been told that we live in a representative democracy. 
we have been told that we have medical systems that actually promote health. We've been told many things that are untrue. Um, so in terms of your excellent question, ordinary coronaviruses, which have been around a really long time, that is to say not genetically altered bioweapon uh, product uh, co uh, coronaviruses, have a corona, a crown of things sticking up from them. These are proteins that allow the coronavirus to very easily attach to a cell. Now, you cannot have a disease from a virus unless the virus can attach to a cell, can penetrate the cell, I'll get my hands on camera, can <laughs> penetrate the cell and then can replicate inside the cell, yep. forcing the cell to then burst and release a whole lot more copies of itself to repeat the sequence until the immune system, God bless it, comes along and says, nah, nah, you gotta stop that now and controls the, the infection. Ultimately, by the way, the viruses that kill us when we first meet them become better and better at being parasites, better, better and better, better at being commensals that learn to live with us and we learn to live with them. Mm. So they actually, we have about 10,000 viruses, virus types in each cell all through our, our lifespan. And those viruses actually tune and train the immune system. For example, measles, when you acquire measles in the community as a child, trains and tunes and helps your immune system for the rest of your life so that people who have acquired measles as a minor disease of childhood, as I did um, when I was a child, a minor child, um, that, that virus then reduces the amount of cancer, breast, prostate, brain, and lung cancer that people get in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. So having measles as a community-acquired disease in your childhood years actually helps prolong and protect your life in your adult years. Though That's a commensal relationship with a virus. We need them, they need us. So this, uh, all coronaviruses and 15% of the colds that people get in the world are caused by coronaviruses. We've all met them, we've all had colds from them. We are all familiar on the, at the antibody level with coronaviruses. And they have little spiky bits and pieces that help them stick to cells and do their little viral job. But this spike protein is unique. Why is it unique? First of all, it has four strands of HIV-1 viral DNA, which is why the Australian, um, uh, the indigenously developed Australian vaccine, quote, quote, against, quote, quote, the uh, COVID pandemic, quote, quote, uh, <laughs> was giving people HIV in Australia. So they, they had to chuck that one and say, oops, you know, that was a very expensive little mistake, but we'll just sort of bury it along with the people that we killed with it. Um, it also has a strand of 
um, uh, DNA from the falciparum parasite that causes malaria. Now in nature, parasites and viruses don't swap DNA. They don't do that. No. They, there are rules against that. They're called nature. That doesn't happen. That could only have happened in a laboratory. Um, and there are several other very strange um, occurrences at the genetic level with this spike protein. Furthermore, spike proteins don't float around on their own. That's not how it works. They're attached. It's like an arm. You rarely see an arm just sort of walking down the street and being on its own, yeah. right? It's yeah. part of something, That's generally, right. or, or somebody's carrying it. But usually it's attached to uh, a person or whatever has an arm. An orangutan has arms. So if an orangutan is walking down the street, you'll see an orangutan arm. But you don't see an arm just on its own. Well, you don't see spike proteins just on their own. You've just Unless people have been genetically altered through either the mRNA jabs or the adenovirus DNA jabs, right. like the AstraZeneca ones, which go directly to your DNA. Yeah, great. That's what I want. I want Big Pharma and Bill Gates and George Soros and... Um, the uh, depopulationists of the world uh, messing around, uh, Fauci, messing around with my DNA, given that they already have a transhumanist agenda to make me subhuman and make themselves superhuman. Wow, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> now you're saying this, and a lot of people are going to say that that's a conspiracy theory, but we have evidence going back decades that this is exactly the plan that was in there, and they were just waiting for the technology to develop to allow themselves to do this. In Australia, we recently had hearings in our Senate, and the head of our TGA, which is the equivalent of the United States Food and Drug Administration, um, a guy named Skerritt, he was asked a question about whether or not these jabs are able to alter or change the human DNA in any way. And his answer was that it was absolutely impossible for that to happen. And if there was even a slight chance it would happen, then they would be illegal in every country in the world under current treaties and conventions that we've all signed up to. What do you think about that statement? So the tooth fairy. Um, yeah, I mean, she's, um, she's one of my favorite uh, politicians because we all know that she always tells the truth. Um, the, the patents, and I have read the patents, they're publicly available. We've published them on our news aggregation site, opensourcetruth.com. We also have on Telegram a, a chat called Open Source Truth, and I recommend that you go there. We publish all kinds of interesting things. Um, the patents for these non-gene altering devices, and they are in fact medical devices, the patents for them all state that they are gene therapies. Now, I don't know about you, I'm a pretty simple-minded person, but if you're gonna do a therapeutic um, uh, maneuver 
on something, you're probably going to change it one way or the other, aren't you? I, I mean, think. doesn't that make sense? Right? Yeah. Because if you're not going to impact it, then you're not going to have a therapeutic impact on it. Duh. So um, I agree with his statement that they would be illegal under international treaty. And I'll, I'd like to talk about that specifically, if I may, for a moment. Yes. But I don't agree with his assertion that it's okay because they're not going to change your genes. Uh, one of the things that is said about the mRNA um, jabs, uh, the Pfizer and the BioNTech jabs, is that they can't possibly change your DNA because it's only RNA. Well, there's this little thing called reverse transcription. Reverse transcription means, oh, look, there's a piece of RNA floating around in the cell that I'm in. I'm the DNA. And that piece of RNA is kind of interesting. And so I will use some enzymes called transcriptases specifically designed to go snag that piece of RNA and put it into me, the genome, the DNA library of life. And about 40% of the DNA that we have in our bodies has been acquired over eons and, 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 and uh, uh, millennia and millions of years from viruses through reverse transcriptase. And we have woven that DNA into, uh, woven that RNA and turned it into DNA in our bodies, in our genomes, in our very core being. But I ask you, suppose that piece of patented synthetic RNA is woven into my genome. Who owns my genome now? Well, it turns out, according to current law, the owner of the patent owns my whole genome because I am trespassing on that patent. It's like Percy Schmeiser in Canada, how he was sued by Monsanto because their genetically modified seed flew into his paddock and they sued him for actually growing uh, genetically modified soybeans in his organic soybean paddock. Um, that was his farm. We're talking about mm. your body That's and it. your baby's body. If you can still have a baby, because we know that these uh, non-vaccines reduce male fertility, and we know that they reduce female fertility. And for those people who do manage to uh, gestate a fetus and have a live birth after that gestation, uh, it looks like we're going to be seeing some pretty um, uncongenial consequences of that. But remember, that won't be most people because uh, for women who receive these jabs during their first and second trimesters, the pregnancy loss rate is 84%. How is this allowed to take place? I mean, we know through the use of HCG in the tetanus vaccine that since the 1970s, at least, 
um, te tetanus vaccine has been used as an abortifacient and also a, uh, a, a fertility killer in women right. in the third world. And now they're doing it to women worldwide. Um, we have no idea what the long-term consequences of these shots are. And it doesn't appear that those in positions of power who have put themselves in positions of power or perhaps been placed in positions of power by others even care what the long-term consequences are. They haven't taken these shots. We have a, a picture, a quite famous picture of Nancy Pelosi uh, rolling up her sleeve and uh, allegedly received Nancy Pelosi for your listeners uh, is the Speaker of the House of the United States. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the close-up of the injection shows that the orange plastic safety cap is still on, so the needle cannot be extruded, Oops. and therefore the safety cap pressed against her skin. But no needle touched her skin. And uh, there's also no reason to think that the worthies of the world are allowing these uh, these wildly toxic preparations into their own bodies mm. because they have always played by a separate set of rules and are playing by a separate set of rules now. We have some true believers in the Australian Parliament. Um, Greg Hunt, who is our Minister for Health, he's a solicitor, he's not a doctor, but he's our Minister for Health federally. Um, he took the jab and was hospitalized for some time afterwards with cellulitis, which we were told had absolutely no relation to the jab, but it is one of the reactions that's being reported, I wouldn't say commonly, but reported often enough to be an association uh, in other countries. In the United States, we confuse cellulitis, meaning lumpy fat deposits under the thighs of middle-aged ladies, which is a trivial condition, um, unless they're your thighs, in which case it's a genuine tragedy. But uh, we confuse that kind of cellulitis with the medical cataclysm known as cellulitis, which is an infection between the cells of the body. And that is a medical emergency of the first water. Mm. And that is what he came down with. Now, um, I don't know what the reporting system is like in Australia, and I, I hope you can inform me, but in the United States, it is um, deceptive, despicable, disreputable, disorganized, and uh, dishonest. That's Other a lot than of that, <laughs> well, our reporting system is probably, if you can even imagine it, worse than theirs. Um, we have the TGA, and they announced before they even started giving the jab that no reports would be issued until we'd been using the jab for at least three months. And it did take them almost five months to bring out the first report. What they were reporting all along was the number of reactions that were being reported following the jab. Um, they were only allowing people to report for three days after receiving the shot. So there was a, a, an app that was put on people's phone when they got the shot. It was called COVID Safe, and they could report anything that occurred that was unusual. But after three days, that COVID Safe app stopped working. So nobody was able to report anything if it happened more than three days later. And up to the point where they actually started reporting individual 
um, reactions and deaths, uh, the rate was about 10 out of 1,000 who were having serious reactions to the jab. 10 out of 1,000 is extremely common. It is. And we've had, I think it's 447 deaths reported, but the TGA in their wisdom without doing one autopsy has said that only seven of them are actually related to the jab. So the other 440 are simply coincidental. I would like to congratulate the forward-looking country of Australia because it's clear to me that the TGA must employ a cadre of psychics and shamans. I presume that they raise special chickens, which they use to spill their entrails on the floor in order to determine what is real and what is not real. Now, psychics generally do a very good job, but um, chicken entrails tend to have a high margin of error. And it sounds to me like they're using a fair number of chicken entrails. Well, I never really considered how they actually made these decisions, but I think your solution is the only one that makes sense. So yeah, I think it must be chicken entrails and perhaps they need to go to a different voodoo doctor uh, in order to find a better solution to this. Um, They've been consulting Fauci and you know, his, uh, his uh, reliability is pretty low. <laughs> Depends on what day, you know, he changes his mind every second day anyway. Yeah, but it's always low, whatever it is, it's low. <laughs> now the crystal bowl or the chicken entrails that the TGA is using obviously are not working very well, but I want to talk to you about a video that I found and I will link to this as well as linking to your websites because uh, I think everybody should be reading the information that you put out. It's it's Thank no you. holds barred and factually based and well referenced, unlike the information, I mean the crap that the government's putting out. So um, I found a video of yours from December 2009 <laughs> that um, aside from the fact that it was a little bit over-dramatized and the music was a little bit scary, uh, it was amazing. You spoke with Governor Jesse Ventura and you talked about what you saw happening in the future. And according to what you told me, it was even earlier than that, that you actually saw this coming. Can you tell me a little bit about that, please? Um, in 2000 and late 2002, early 2003, I had a patient who was a head of state. You know, she walked around with a crown on her head, uh, but not like my crown, it cost $1.95 uh, at the, the local uh, five and 10, and it's just for fun. Her, She is a, a real head of state. And she was a nice chatty lady. And one day she said to me, you know, it's almost time for the great culling to begin. And I said, what? And she said, the culling, C-U-L-L. I said, I know the word. What are you talking about? She said, the culling of the useless eaters. Now, I had never heard that term before. And I said, what's a useless eater? And she said, not what, my dear. Now, I have to tell you, I hate it when people I don't have a relationship with call me my dear. Anyway, she said, not what, my dear, but who? I said, okay. Who's a useless eater? And she said, those people who are consuming our non-renewable resources. And I said, did it ever occur to you that you're consuming their non-renewable resources? And she said, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. 
Well, anyway, and she dismissed that thought because, you know, we don't have to think about that one. Yeah, um, didn't compute. Go, that's better. Uh, and so I said, well, how many of these useless eaters are you planning on culling? And she said, 90%. And I said, 90% of what? And she said, the total population of the planet. And I said, wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, that doesn't make any sense to me. Your enormous fortune, and by the way, she didn't pay her bill. Your enormous fortune, but then the super elite whom I have had as patients never pay their bills, which is why they, unlike my regular patients, pay in advance. Anyhow, the, the point is, no, literally, truly. Um, so anyway, uh, I said to her, your enormous fortune is based on selling fantastic amounts of shit to huge numbers of people. If you're not, if you don't have huge numbers of people to sell your large amounts of shit to, how are you going to maintain your enormous wealth? And she said, no, 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 you really do not understand my dear. Call me my dear again. And I said, clearly, I don't understand. She said, the mercantile era, which began in the 14th century in the Hanseatic League, with the Hanseatic League in Germany, is coming to an end we are moving into the neo-feudal era. There will be us, the neo-aristocrats at the top. Around us, our servants and servitors. She was the first person I ever heard use the term servitor in a sentence. Around us, our servants and servitors. And below them, our technicians. And that requires only 10% of the world's population. Everyone else is superfluous. And she left, and I thought, ooh, either she is completely batshit crazy, and I missed it because I wasn't looking for it, or she had just given me an enormously important clue. And of course, the answer is both. She was raised to be a psychopath. She is a psychopath, and that is a psychopath is a person who is truly batshit crazy. Yeah. Uh, very often, uh, very successful, very uh, um, eminent in society, but batshit crazy. And she also had indeed given me a great clue. I started to do some research and looked up the term useless eater and discovered that it was a term of art in Nazi Germany. I did not know that. Yep. And a great deal of the rationalization for getting rid of people was because they were useless eaters. And then I, uh, there's a paper that's still available on the internet called The Killing Fields of Codex, which makes the direct connection between the Nazi uh, death programs, which began, by the way, with German citizens and children, not with Jews and gypsies and, and so on. It began with German citizens. Um, and then that became Codex Alimentarius, the weaponization of food around the world, which is part of this whole program of depopulation and enslavement of the small portion of people who will be allowed to remain. And uh, vaccines, true vaccines and, and faux vaccines are a huge part 
of that plan. As you mentioned, the uh, tetanus vaccines, which are uh, abortifactants and sterilizants, um, infertility drugs for women, uh, and the HPV vaccines, which are infertility drugs for women and men, yep. and men. I mean, we're giving boys HPV vaccines to protect their cervixes. It's they equality, what? okay? They're people. They're not men and women. They're people. Right, <laughs> right. And the House of Representatives in the United States has made the word amen no longer acceptable. I guess it's our people or perhaps our shit. I don't know. But anyway. We're not woke uh, enough. We're definitely not woke. Um, so we're talking about uh, this, this awareness that came upon me and made sense of what I was seeing. And what I was seeing was that we, the people of the US and of the rest of the world, were losing every battle for our freedoms around our bodies that came up. And so uh, I studied this and I thought about it for some time. And then in early 2004, late 2003, early 2004, I walked into my husband's office. My husband was Major General Albert N. Stubblebine III, um, an utterly brilliant strategic analyst. Um, and I said, to, and a healer and an amazing human being. And I said to him, darling, we have to close the practice. That was our practice of drug-free medicine um, in Manhattan and just outside New York City in Westchester. And he asked a perfectly reasonable question. He said, why? Because that was how we made our living after all. <laughs> yeah. And that we did a lot of good work, but um, in exchange, we got a certain amount of money back so we could pay the rent and the insurance and eat. And I told him why. And I said, if someone with the ability to think strategically and then act tactically, because our side only acts tactically. After we've lost a battle, we race around with our hands in the air saying, oh, oh, isn't that terrible? Isn't that terrible? We are always on the defensive and we always lose uh, if we are not no longer on the defensive. And so I said, you know, if somebody like you and somebody like me doesn't get involved in derailing the globalist agenda, we have no hope globally. So he said, right. We closed our practice, we sold our house so that we'd have money to walk around and eat. And we created the Natural Solutions Foundation in 2004. My husband was the founding president. I was the founding uh, medical director. He was, uh, we believe, um, assassinated for political reasons in a horrifying manner. Uh, and uh, the attempt to silence him hasn't worked terribly well, and the attempt to silence me has failed really badly. There have been, since his death, there have been seven verified, documented, very serious attempts on my life. Um, so I must be doing something right. You're still here. Otherwise well, otherwise I'm not worth trying to kill, right? I mean, they're trying to kill us all generically, but I feel privileged to be a specific target. So, um, and what I say is, you know, screw them if they can't take a joke. But anyhow, 
the point that I'm making is that we saw this coming. We knew that they would be using everything that we have available to us for health. Mm. And that includes food and that includes air, chemtrails. Uh, that includes uh, the entire health system. We knew that all of these pieces would be weaponized against us in a concerted uh, attack. Now, as Zev Zelenko said to the three chief rabbis uh, of Israel in his brilliant, brilliant presentation, which is up on Open Source Truth, and I'll I, link to I that as well. There. Yes. Good. Uh, as he said, and he calls this a kill shot. Um, they, the entire system is designed to kill. It is not designed to heal. It is designed to kill. Uh, and we have to wrap our minds around that. It's not an error. It's not a, uh, an unfortunate consequence. Mm. It has been laid out for well over a hundred years and specified as a goal. The, uh, there's another uh, thing on YouTube that you might find interesting. It's a lecture I delivered in Chur, Switzerland, uh, in which I talked about the weaponization of food and the depopulation efforts of what we then called the Fabian socialists. Now we would call them globalists. It's called the genocidal feast. Right. And you might find it interesting, along with a, uh, a video that I did called Nutricide, which is about the weaponization of food to kill vast numbers of people. Add in vaccines, faux vaccines and conventional vaccines, and you have precisely what we are seeing now. So in 2009, I was contacted by um, uh, Governor Ventura's staff, Jesse Ventura, the body, and they said, we'd like you to come to the United States. I was living in Panama at the time, running the uh, uh, Valley of the Moon Eco Demonstration Center and also continuing our activities in the United States and elsewhere. And I said, no, I don't want to go to the United States. Why would I do that? And I don't know who, you know, I, I, I have no reason to think that Governor Ventura has any interest in doing a fair presentation. Why would I do that? And they said, oh, please, please. And I said, ah, I tell you what, I won't do it unless I can talk directly with Governor Ventura and see what kind of a duty is. Because if he's, you know, just a politician, ah, no, thank you. And I had a very interesting and meaningful call with this highly intelligent, sensitive and very alert man. Yes. And I said, well, why don't you come to Panama? He said, I can't uh, fly for health reasons. I said, mm, okay, but I don't want to be there long. I, I said, we'll fly in, you do a program with me, you do a program with General Burt, we'll stay overnight, and then you fly us the hell out of the United States. And he said, okay. I said, you got to provide security because we know that our lives are not particularly uh, well regarded uh, as something worth preserving in the United States and elsewhere. And so they did. And we flew in, I did a program, 
general birthday program, which was inside the hangar, which was nice because it was cold. And um, off we went back to Panama. And, that was and in that show, I said, yes, this is a genocidal depopulation global agenda. And if we don't stop it, we're either dead or enslaved. You gave the warning that long ago, and we didn't listen to it. I, I became aware of you in the early 2000s when the Codex Alimentarius was being spoken about because the AVN was one of the organizations fighting against it. But I didn't know. I never saw that video until very recently. I didn't know at that time about things like the FEMA camps, which we are seeing in Australia. They're calling them resilience centers. I kid you not. They are, I know, it is so dystopian. Um, they're building them in Victoria, in New South Wales, in rural Queensland, and up in Darwin. And I believe there's at least one or two of them being built in West Australia. And we're already seeing people being removed from their families because they've come back with a positive COVID test and being put into some sort of a health treatment facility, even though they're perfectly healthy. It is it is a soft kill kind of approach um, that- Oh, it's not very soft. Yeah. <laughs> these these uh, jabs are not soft kills. 62, according to a Canadian physician, by the way, we're, we're having FEMA uh, constructing and the CDC constructing internment camps. And I hope the person who came to your door is not jabbed because we know about the transmission mm -hmm. of something or several somethings uh, by the, the, the jabbed to the unjabbed. And that, by the way, is courtesy of DARPA, the uh, very, very um, creative and impressively dangerous um, defense research uh, authority in the United States. They've been working on transmissible vaccines for more than a decade. Mm. That means I am jabbed and you're not, and I transmit something or other to you. And now you're jabbed and you transmit it to the next person and the next and the next. And informed consent is shredded. It doesn't exist anyway when it comes to vaccination. Well, it I've actually does. It actually yeah. does. You have to assert it. Yep. You have to assert it. They don't give it to you. I've heard those things called leaky vaccines as another name for them. What yeah. is it that is being transmitted from one person to the next? Is it the spike protein or is it something else? Has anyone even looked into it? Do we know what's happening? Well, the issue here is the pronoun. Do we know what's happening? No. To my knowledge, no one has yet done the research and I can't quite figure that out. I've been calling for people who have very simple laboratory equipment, um, high pressure liquid chromatography, HPLC, spectrophotometry. These are very, very common uh, chemistry laboratory devices, nothing rare and, and exciting about them. Um, and we can take swabs from people's skin, we can take their breath, and we can analyze for proteins that don't belong there. We can analyze for um, compounds that are not usually present and we can start there to my knowledge that has not been done and i don't know why mm -hmm. um we know that the manufacturers know perfectly well 
what is being transmitted. We know that their um, clinical trial documents say things like, and you've probably already um, discussed this uh, with your people, that the Pfizer document, which I think is 109 pages, 149, some number of pages, um, said if a woman who is pregnant breathes the same air as a person who is vaccinated, male or female, doesn't matter, or touches them, then uh, that is to be regarded as an adverse event and should be reported to the investigator within 24 hours and uh, she will be followed, but it will not be reported as an adverse vaccine event in the trial because she didn't get the vaccine. She and her fetus are at high risk for serious and life-threatening adverse events, but we won't count it as a vaccine event because that would mess up the statistics and we wanna sell this damn stuff to everybody, right? So it's, it's deceptive, it's evil, but hey, we're talking about big pharma. Why would we be surprised? Big pharma has always had three major agendas. The first is obviously massive amounts of income. And to do that, you have to keep people sick and you have to keep people dependent on your products. It's like being the world's greatest pusher. The second agenda is to control systems, countries, entities, so that you get to determine what is used to your greatest profit. So there's a political um, agenda. And the third agenda, which has always been part of what we know as Big Pharma, since John D. Rockefeller Jr., the man who brought eugenics to Germany, by the way, who sponsored the Kaiser Wilhelm Institutes in Munich and Berlin long before Hitler, whom he financed, uh, helped to finance, but he was a eugenicist. He was responsible for the sterilization of dozens of thousands of people in the United States against their will to improve the race. He was the founder of what we know of as Big Pharma. And his plan was always a eugenic plan. So pharmaceutical uh, items have always been part of the program to create a depopulation and eugenics or improvement agenda. This is the working out of what John D. Rockefeller, who at that time was the Bill Gates of his society, mm. saw as the optimal plan. He created what we call modern medicine. God help us all. He himself, was the son of an itinerant herbalist, a snake oil salesman with a cart and horse and wagon, you know, a horse and wagon. Yeah. And he himself, until his death at 94, used nothing but herbs and homeopathy, but made illegal herbalists and homeopaths and chiropractors and osteopaths and eclectics, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Because he owned what he was in his day the entire medical establishment and we now see as quote modern medicine it's quite primitive actually if, if we believe the 
statistics in the United States. Um, I, I think that one of the latest figures is that about 600,000 people um, have died from COVID since the beginning of the campaign, even though we know that only about 6% of those may have actually been COVID deaths, the rest were deaths with COVID. But a million people or more in the United States are killed by medical error, iatrogenic disease, and nosocomial infections every single year. And we don't hear anything about that. And it- Why would we? Well, that's very it, powerful. that's it. It has nothing, the health system has nothing to do with health. If it was involved with health, they would be teaching us to eat properly, eat organic foods, get sunshine, get exercise, all of those things. That's never mentioned. And in fact, I spoke with someone yesterday um, whose mother died very shortly after getting a COVID jab. And she spoke with the doctor who administered the jab to her mother. And she said, why aren't we telling people about nutrition and boosting the immune system? And the doctor said that if she talked about that, she would lose her job. In Australia, mm. if she talked about that, That's she right. would lose her job. Exactly. She would lose her license. Yep. Uh, we published that information uh, a number of years ago when the TGA made it a crime to speak about nutrition with patients if you're an Australian physician. Yeah. What a wonderful thing. Now, as it happens, my parents were health food nuts. They followed Adele Davis and Carlton mm -hmm. Fredericks and people of that sort. And I thought they were primitive yahoos. They were unscientific. They were um, <laughs> unreasonable. They were they were fools. Of course, they were my parents, so naturally they were my they were fools. And then, and I was going to be a scientist. I was going to uh, uh, follow the rational path rather than their irrational nonsense path. Um, so I get to medical school. Now I was an English major in uh, undergraduate school. And so I was not prepared by the indoctrination that other medical students had gone through. And I, I actually valued the process of thought and understanding because I was a liberal arts kind of person. And I get to medical school and I'm, I'm there with my shiny uh, notebooks and my clipboard and my pens because nobody took notes on computers in those days. I entered medical school in 1966 when dinosaurs roamed the earth. <laughs> um, um, we all had to uh, collaboratively get together and beat them away from the doors of the school so we could get in and out. Um, so I'm sitting there, my very first lecture on my very first day of medical school, which took me two years to get into, by the way. And I'm all excited. And the first lecture was pharmacology, which I now see as very significant, but at that time, didn't think a thing about. And the very, very famous pharmacologist, who was one of the authors of the famous uh, standard book of pharmacology, Goodman and Gilman, very famous professor stands up there and he says, no, this is 1966, men, and I immediately checked, and that was an error on his part. It was still an error, even though I was in medical school. He said, men, I want you to remember this. We all have our pens out. We're writing. Big star. This is important. He says, there are only side effects. All drugs cause only side effects. If you like the side effect, 
you call it a therapeutic benefit. If you don't, you call it a side effect. And that is because, write this down, men, that is because all drugs operate by the same mechanism. I write, all drugs, same mechanism with a big arrow and a star. And the same mechanism he goes on to tell us is that all drugs, all pharmaceuticals, poison enzyme systems. And the results of that is to screw up a whole lot of things because enzymes operate in cascades. One impacts another, impacts another, impacts another. So if you mess up that cascade, you're gonna get all kinds of things happening. And I stick up my little hand and I say, excuse me, sir, I don't understand. Uh, there are about uh, 35,000 enzymatic reactions happening in every cell in the, every one of the 10 trillion cells in the body at the same time. Um, enzymes, as I understand it, are the stuff of life. How are you helping patients if you're poisoning the very fabric of life? <laughs> you must have loved that. And I mean, in my innocence, and he, <laughs> used a lot of long words and several paragraphs to basically say, shut up and sit down. And I thought, ooh, I get it. They like how questions, but they don't like why questions. That's interesting. And I vowed at that point in my first lecture of school, my first day of medical school, that I would never do that to patients that I would find other means to support their health rather than damage their health, possibly irretrievably. So in the 51 years since my graduation from medical school, I have never written a prescription for a pharmaceutical, ever. Dr. Rima, first of all, how did you graduate medical school with that attitude? I had to transfer school. So I made it clear that they would not let me graduate from the first one. Uh, and second of all, you must have been beating patients away with a stick because it's very hard to find a doctor who actually will treat based on the Hippocratic Oath rather than based on the oath to pharmacy. We need to stop talking about the Hippocratic Oath. Have you read the Hippocratic Oath? Uh, it well, says, I have. I will, it says, I will not cut for gallstones. What? It says, I will not give a woman a pessary. What? It says, I will uh, uh, educate the children of my teachers without cost. What? So the Hippocratic Oath actually doesn't say very much that's relevant. I took at my medical school, the Oath of Maimonides, which is a very meaningful physician's oath. And I'm happy that I took it and I do try to live by it. I would suggest that we start looking at what the doctors actually swear to, even though they don't think about it, and say that needs to change because that's bad. Well, that's the, bad. the only line that I think of is the first line of the oath, which is firstly, do no harm. And that's one that doctors in general break every single day with every single patient. And uh, and it's because they they're do. using drugs. I, I know Absolutely. it, I know it. I don't have a person in my family who died in natural causes. Every single one of them was killed by the doctors. So, and, and I'm not unique, far from unique. 
So, uh, yeah, I do think that we need to look at what doctors are doing in society, which is why doctors like yourself um, are so important because you're actually healers. And I think doctors have forgotten that healing is the first goal of medicine. Almost everybody who goes into medicine, I think, goes in with noble aspirations. I'm going to help people. That is not what medical education is about. Medical education is a cult indoctrination. There is protein deprivation. There is emotional deprivation. There is sleep deprivation. Um, there is uh, essentially torture at the bottom. And then as you rise in the ranks, you get to transmit that abuse to others below you and you get patted on the head and you rise in the ranks further and further and surrender more and more your ability to think independently as in any cult. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about Masons or if we're talking about um, a, uh, a priesthood with robes, we have special handshakes, we have uh, special costumes, we have things that only we, the initiates know. I mean, there's no reason to have medical terms in Latin. What? What are you talking about? You know, you don't really need a Latin term for anything. Mm. Um, so what we're talking about is an initiate that becomes less and less willing to uh, bear the cost of retrieving independent thought. And the initiates are indoctrinated into completely erroneous belief systems and practices. I mean, we might just as well be priests of Moloch in many cases. Some people think that Western medicine is a, a, a practice of Moloch, but um, I don't want to go there. <laughs> what I'd like to do is, if possible, bring it back to what we were just talking about, how the people who have received this genetic modification device, this experimental jab, um, are potentially able to spread things to other people who have not taken the jab, which could make them ill. And um, you believe that that is definitely happening. It is in the Pfizer documents. It was in the preclinical trials. Um, and uh, have you in your research come across anything that people can do? I don't expect you to give uh, you know, individual advice, but have you seen that there are ways in which people can protect themselves? Because this is a question that we get all the time and we're not- Unblock people yes, and protect them. That's right. Okay. I have to answer you tangentially. I mentioned before we began recording that the FDA, that's the Fraud and Death Administration of the United States government, yeah. is suing uh, the two trustees, the two surviving trustees of the Natural Solutions Foundation, Ralph Fusatola and myself, and the foundation in federal court, because we have made the statement that nanosilver, 10 parts per million, supports the immune system. Yeah. I made the statement in writing and probably on video that Although I'm in the age range that is supposedly at greatest risk, I will be 78 next month. And supposedly that makes me uh, vulnerable to die of this um, uh, fearsome mythical virus. Um, yes. Uh, and nonetheless, I am unafraid because I support my immune system. And I do that, I said, by taking a capful of nano silver per day. Now, the FDA has alleged incorrectly 
that I was thereby promoting a cure or a prevention for COVID uh, and that I was thereby turning nanosilver into an unapproved drug. Consequently, because of that and because of the fact that there is a federal lawsuit ongoing, um, Council Ralph and I have removed nanosilver from our website. We do not sell it. We make no claims. It is no longer available from us, although I spent 16 years looking for the best silver product on the planet and do believe that it was the one that we were offering, 10 parts per million nanosilver. So I cannot tell you what I believe people should do. Mm. I can tell you that I believe in my immune system and that the immune system is um, well known through biochemistry and physiology and responds well to things like um, nutrient nanosilver, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, copper, quercetin, um, and the other good things that we ordinarily do to protect our immune systems. Um, we know that these things make it more difficult for either a real virus or a spike protein that's just floating around to attach to a cell and penetrate it. Now, a virus would go inside and replicate. Yeah. A spike protein just goes inside and tears the hell out of your mitochondria and other structures and also creates blood clotting inside the um, uh, vessels of your body, which is a bad thing. So. I still maintain that for the unjabbed, avoiding the jabbed, who are dangerous bioweapons, whether they wanted to become that or not, is of paramount importance. And for that reason, on Telegram, we have created uh, a global program called Unjabberwocky for the unjabbed. And we are able to go to Unjabberwocky and find other unjabbed people in your area, support their business, socialize with them. We have in, in the town where I live, the Unjabberwocky Cafe once a month. We have a gourmet dinner, an organic gourmet dinner prepared by an organic gourmet chef who is a friend of mine. And then uh, we have either entertainment or discussion or this month I'll be leading a discussion on surviving in a time of intentional plague. Um, and and so we, we are trying to put the world back together because only the unjabbed will survive. Only, let me say that again, only the unjabbed will survive. Now we're gonna suffer as the world collapses around us, as the supply lines collapse, as uh, the, the rage of the people who realize that they've been lied to and murdered and their children have been murdered as well, um, as that rage explodes, it's, it's going to be horrendous. But of those who survive, it will be only the unjabbed because the others have been given a death sentence in those jabs. It's horrendous to think about, and I have many people in my family that I love dearly who have taken the jab because they've fallen for the line. And uh, it is it is so hard to think that that's going to be the outcome. We're seeing it around us starting already. We're seeing the supply lines getting cut already. We're seeing society start to break down. Yes. Um, 
in ways and that is intentional. No, that is that's intentional. right. That's right. In ways that may not necessarily be negative, because the parts that are starting to rise up are the parts that are no longer buying into the supremacy yes. of our system. And the whole system is broken and rotten at the root. And I do think it needs to be rewritten completely um, to one that is more representative, kinder, and more fair than what we're certainly living with now. But it's not going to be a painless transition, not in any Amen. way. Yep. So um, it's, it's amazing to see. I hope that your battles with this horrible, disgusting system um, are successful for you and for justice that justice will be done um thank you let me let me say something about that for years we have been trying to get the fda into court and they kept saying you have no standing you have no standing you have no standing you have no standing and then they turned around and they pulled us into court and yes of course it's scary when the federal government says uh, Guess what? I'm accusing you of crimes. That's that's scary. But at the same time, it's very exciting because we are now in court with standing and we have the opportunity to bring uh, realities forward that I think they're not going to be happy with. They're just not going to say thank you. Um, <laughs> Do you get and, discovery in your hearing? Pardon me? Do you get discovery? Do you have the right to discovery? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And, and we have an outstanding uh, staff of counsel because there are a lot of people who know and value our work and have been itching to have the opportunity to be in court with us. We, we really thought we'd be plaintiffs, and here we are defendants, but at least we're in federal court with the FDA. And um, I don't think it's going to turn out quite the way they expect. I hope it doesn't. And I hope you scratch that itch really well. <laughs> I'll be watching this space, as will many of our yes. viewers, I'm sure. And I will definitely link to everything that we've discussed, all of your sites, the Thank videos. You. And uh, if you will send me a link to that other video you talked about as well, that would be good. Yes. Um, that would yes. be fantastic. Uh, I, 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 I think that so many people right now are feeling, I mean, from the very beginning, there's been a sense of unreality and how bizarre this whole situation is. This is nobody's new normal. It's nothing like normal. But I've been asking people that I've been speaking with because I think it's really important. I am a cockeyed optimist. I've always been a glass half full person, no matter what's been happening around me. Do you see hope? And do you see that we will work our way out of this thing in the future? It's, it's such an important question. And it deserves an answer that isn't just um, uh, trivial because it is the question, isn't it? So let me answer it from several different levels. If I did not see hope, if I did not feel the power of our joined hands and hearts 
and brains, I would simply kill myself. And I am not being facetious. Mm. I am not being light in that speech. I mean, I can be playful as you've seen, but I am being quite literally deadly serious because what's to come is likely going to be very, very difficult at every level. Society is being torn apart. Families are being torn apart. Institutions are crumbling, uh, partly by intent of the would-be controllers and partly by uh, natural disintegration as people cannot come together and be human in their in their connections together. Um, so there is a great deal to be terrified about. Supply lines are crumbling. Um, we have uh, huge shortages of a, of a sort that we have never seen before. War rationing is nothing compared to what we are about to go for. And anybody who doesn't have at least a year's worth of essential supplies and food and some way to, to uh, purify water in their home now is way behind the curve, way behind the curve. So, and that's very frightening because we've lived in a society of easy abundance where the way, the way you hunt meat is to go to the supermarket. And that's been the only way we know how to hunt meat. And so we are vulnerable in a way that societies of humans have rarely been vulnerable. On the other hand, we have the capacity to organize and, at least for now, to communicate. Even though censorship is ferocious, that's why um, I don't use Facebook, I don't use Twitter. I mean, why would I, why would I give them my information? Thank you so very much. I do use other things. I use Telegram, I use uh, the telephone, so they can listen in, but I can talk directly to whom I like. Um, uh, we do have rights that can be asserted. None of those rights can be asserted effectively by one or two or 47 people. This is an advanced vaccine directive card created by the foundation, valid in 134 countries. Those countries are the ones that have ratified the Geneva Convention. It says, among other things, I refuse all vaccines. Now, in order to use this, you have to be prepared to assert your right adamantly. But for the people who have been using this, and we make it available all around the world, the oppressors have been backing off because this actually is the national law of each of their countries and the international law of the Geneva Convention Treaty that their country has ratified. Uh, we also, <clears throat> I served along with Council Ralph on a tribunal of conscience. And if you go to Marshalls, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L-S, marshallsofconscience.com, you will see one button for people who live in the U.S. and one button for people who live outside the U.S. And when you put your data in and click submit, you will send a letter announcing that you are aware of the conviction of the person who receives it, and it's about 83 people who will receive your letter, 
uh, and giving them the cease and desist orders, telling them that they have violated statutes four, five, I'm sorry, five, six, seven, and eight of the statute of articles, five, six, seven, and eight of the statute of Rome. Now, Australia is a signatory to the statute of Rome. And what it means is that if any one of these people sets foot in Australia, they can be arrested and detained for crimes against humanity. And that has to do with COVID and 5G, post microwave and aspartame. And so you have the opportunity to join millions of people to send these cease and desist orders to the perpetrators, the corporate, the personal and the governmental perpetrators and tell them that we understand what they have done and that our stance is very simple. It's a three word stance. Don't you dare. When we, the people, in our millions and our tens of millions, speak together. I know from personal experience, because we've done it, that they, the globalists, the perpetrators, back off every single time. And that's the hope. The hope is that we as individuals can marshal our forces as a community of people who will not be exterminated, dehumanized and enslaved. And if we don't do that, then we have no hope. Marshalsofconscience.com. I will also link to that. That is such a powerful message. And I think it's something, I'm so glad you're leaving us with that. I will definitely be speaking with you again, but um, I think it's so vital that people know that even though they may feel helpless as an individual, they may feel like they have no power. I have been in groups of people who feel that, that power, that force within them, and that force is multiplied the more people who actually use it. And I think we all need to feel that, be confident that we can actually overcome this if we do it together. Um, across the thousands and thousands of miles that separate us, Dr. Rima, I feel so proud to be working with you on this and to have Equally. an ally. So um, we will win, we will win in the end. We have no choice. Yep, no choice. Uh, it, it's there isn't a um, an intermediary position. We either are completely destroyed as a species from the DNA out, or we win. And I say, okay, let's win. Thank you so much for having me. And I want you on the on the Dr. Rima Truth Reports show so we can talk the other way. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. Thank you so much again. And uh, thank you for being on Under the Wire. Much appreciated. Thank you so much.